today we'll be reading from two passages um, which are on the screen. The first is Matthew chapter 6 verses 5 to 8 and that's on page 660, no, 676 of the Church Bible. So this is from um, Jesus preaching uh, a sermon on the mountainside. So Matthew chapter 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And now we'll read from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16, and that's on page 838 of the Church Bible. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we pro profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, for we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word, and we thank you that you speak to us through it. And we do pray, Lord, yeah, that as we come into your presence with prayer now even, uh, that we'll be able to recognize that we can approach you with confidence, that you know our needs, and that you listen to us, and we're heard. And so we do pray that today, as we hear from it, you'll convict our hearts and move us to live for you and to desire to pray to you uh, because, because we can. So we do pray for that in your son's name. Amen. So as I was saying earlier, uh, over these last few months, we've discovered uh, through surveys and, and stuff like that that there have actually been more people praying. Uh, there was an article in the Age News just released last week that was headlined this, The Meaning of Life, Australians Praying More During COVID. That was in the Age News. And the first two sentences of the article, the journalist writes this, Churches may have closed their doors, but more Australians are opening their minds to spirituality and prayer. Researchers have found Australians say they have been praying more during the COVID-19 crisis, suggesting the pandemic has led many to reassess their priorities in life. Now, I find this really fascinating. I don't know about you, but sometimes it takes a global pandemic for us to question life. Our priorities question out you know, matters of spirituality. And more importantly for Christians, sometimes it takes a pandemic to get us on our knees in prayer. Over the last, what, four to five months, I've been hearing a lot about uh, what you guys have been up to during COVID, right? During uh, times of lockdown and as we reopen doors and get out into fresh air and everything, many of us have picked up new hobbies, haven't we? Uh, you have heard from me already. You know, I've been getting to my fish tanks. I've got three for some reason now. And, you know, aquascaping and creating this, you know, underwater ecosystem alive, keeping them alive. Uh, my wife, Heidi, if you've been following her on Instagram, you know that she's been painting. 
So she's been getting into painting landscapes with acrylic paint, and I must say she's improved heaps since her first one. Uh, and you can follow her on Instagram, shameless plug. Um, but I've heard others as well here. Uh, Joe, for example, Joe created gym rings so he could go to the park and do exercise. Wow, Joe, you've been doing so much DIY, like it's been amazing. I've been talking to Chris, he's not with us today, but Chris has become this master baker. Like, he's, he makes really good sourdough, and he's been bringing it back from Toowoomba for me to, to try. It's blissimo, right? Now, it's funny, because do you remember early on, there was no flour, everyone was baking bread? What happened to that? No one's doing that anymore. Uh, others, right, we've been playing more video games, we've been reading more books, doing more uh, things like that. Out, we've been investing in our hobbies. And I wonder, in the same way, would you be able to say over this time, that you, with the same passion and intensity, would you be able to say you've spent more time in prayer? Have you been praying more than you usually would over the last few months? Uh, I don't know, some of you might be feeling a bit guilty now and thinking, oh, I've been watching a lot of Netflix, a lot of Korean dramas, been baking a lot of bread. I wonder, what will it take for us to have a flourishing prayer life, a, a deep and rich prayer life? Do we need a pandemic to prompt us to pray? A prayer life that reacts, you know, just, are, we, are we just having a prayer life that reacts to the, to, to the stresses of life? Working overtime, many of us have been working more because of the pandemic. The worries of losing our job, perhaps, or struggling financially, being a job keeper, job seeker. A prayer life that, that's just reacting to the fears and anxieties of catching a virus. What if we could say, though, that whatever season, pandemic or not, we can confidently say, I've actually spent more time praying to God recently, and I've really enjoyed it. How can we change the way we see prayer so that we can have a healthy, deep and rich prayer life as Christians, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what we're going through and experiencing. You see, my hope and prayer for us as a church, and for me included, is that we'll grow in our love for God through prayer. And to get there for the next three weeks is what we're going to We're going to dive deep into why we pray, who we pray to, how we pray, and the power of prayer. Now, I know the struggle of prayer. I know the, the reasons why it's difficult. I've experienced them myself. Perhaps we feel too busy. Perhaps we feel like God isn't listening. Perhaps we feel like prayer doesn't change anything. Perhaps we just couldn't be bothered or we think other things are more worthy of our time, like watching Netflix. But I'd really like us to see how the Bible speaks about prayer and letting that shape our view of it. Now, if you're here and, and you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, hey, it's great that you're here. I hope you'll get an understanding of prayer and how it works out in the Christian life. Yet I, I think we can all agree that prayer isn't just a Christian thing, is it? I mean, it's very global in many sense. Uh, if, you, uh, if you've been watching the news uh, daily to keep up to date with everything that's happening, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the Queensland Premier, when, before there was any outbreaks in Brisbane, she'd get up and she'd make an announcement. She'd say, our prayers have been answered. We have no new cases in Brisbane. You know, she'll say stuff like that. And I'm wondering, what prayers? What prayers is she talking about? You know, we hear world leaders making statements like that. Our prayers have been answered. We know also other religions pray. Buddhism, Islam, the new age person, right? They will pray to the universe. People pray. Whether religious or not, many people resort to some sort of prayer, hoping for some sort of deliverance. And what we're going to discover as prayer is seen in the Bible, there is actually a deep richness to it. There's a confidence we can have, and there's a privilege that Christians can have participating in it. We read a couple of passages this morning. Uh, Eunice read that for us, and we'll be spending the next few weeks covering Matthew 6. So we just looked at a few verses in Matthew 6. We're going to hear more from Matthew 6 about the Lord's Prayer. Many of you have heard the Lord's Prayer. If you've grown up in church before, you'll be familiar. We're going to unpack that. 
and we're going to see how other Bible passages supplement what we read, what we read there. So today, if you have your Bibles open, keep it open there at Matthew chapter 6. Follow along. We're going to discover three things today, that prayer brings us into communion with God. We're going to hear that prayer brings us, uh, that we get to have a conversation with God. And that thirdly, we can have a confidence that God hears us. All right, from verse 5. Let's read. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I'm going to stop there. Jesus, he's speaking to the crowd here, isn't he? And he says, straight up, don't pray like the hypocrites pray. Now, who are these people? If you have your Bibles, chapter 6, right? Go up a bit to verse 1 to 2. It says this, chapter 6, verse 1 to 2. It says, be careful... Do I have it on screen? Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. So he's already mentioned hypocrites, hasn't he? We all know what a hypocrite is, right? Someone who says something, but their actions reveal the opposite. Um, the boss at work who says, hey, you need to be on time to this meeting or there'll be consequences. And then the boss stands you up, right? Doesn't even show up. The doctor who tells you not to smoke because it's really bad for your health, but then you catch him in the back alleyway, you know, sneaky cigarette. The cop who's above the law, that sort of thing. You get it, right? A hypocrite. Hypocrites here were religious people who would stand out in public hoping for recognition for others. I mean, they'd be preaching and telling people about how you know, um, they should have a good relation with God, follow the laws, impress God, you know, make God happy, but they'd be on the street corners and they'd be showing everyone how great they are because of their prayers. They wanted to be honored by others. They wanted recognition. They wanted to be seen by the public. Now, prayer in the public was a, was a common thing. It was a common thing um, by Jewish believers that pray in the temple and synagogues out in public uh, as well. But the problem was it wasn't about their prayer. It was about themselves. They were flaunting how good they were. Rather than having a humble, uh, a humble disposition before God, it was about self-righteousness. And so there's a heart issue here. They cared more about what people thought about them than what God did. You know, we, we do pray in public, don't we? Uh, I've prayed multiple times this morning already. We had uh, Angel pray for us earlier. Uh, she prayed on our behalf. But there's a problem when we get up and publicly pray and we want people to applaud us. When we want the spotlight to be on us. See, the motivation isn't to worship God in our prayers, but to get the approval of others. It was a pretentious display of religiosity here. And they took praying to God praying to the God of the universe, they took that for granted. The privilege wasn't to commune with God and speak to him, but it was to get recognition. I think it's really revealing, isn't it? Revealing of who or what rules our hearts. If you have a crush on a girl or a guy, right, and you, you want them to notice you, don't you? So you'll, um, you'll wash your hair and you'll brush it. I brushed my hair for you guys this morning, by the way. And, you know, um, Heidi always talks about, you know, using lip balm, because I always have chapped lips. You might use lip balm because you want to impress the person, you don't want to have chapped lips. You know, you might wear deodorant because you want to smell a bit nicer than you usually do. And you'll do things like this, won't you, because you want to impress them. You want them to notice you. And I hope you do do that, because you do want to, you know, groom yourself anyways. Um, but they have power over you, don't, don't they? They have power over what you do. They shape you. 
Another example, you're at work and you're texting your friend about the weekend. Or you're, uh, you know, you're, you're telling them or you're talking to them about the latest Bachelor episode, whatever. You're texting your pastor about church stuff, which is really important as well. But then your boss walks past. What do you do? You close all your apps, don't you? You close Facebook on your screen. You, you, you turn down the volume on that NBA game you're watching in the background. And you make sure you have the spreadsheets up. You know, that important email you're sending to a client. You want to impress the boss. You want to look like you're busy. They have power over you. In this case, they were the hypocrites here in Jesus' day, they were religious people. They wanted to please God, yet their, their power over their hearts wasn't God, it was people. They wanted to impress them. Jesus says, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You see, what Jesus is saying is, you know, the privilege of prayer is that you get to have communion with God. That's what matters. You get to have community with Him. It's not about impressing others with fancy words or showing how incredible you are. It's not about a public performance. It's about the one who is unseen, who sees you, who knows you, who hears you. It's about a relationship. You know, Phil said this earlier as he um, service-led us at the beginning here, you know, thinking about what it looks like to have a relationship with God. It looks like one of prayer. We get to have communion with God, and that's such a beautiful gift. And Jesus says, you know, it's not about prayer. It isn't about what people think about you. It's actually about you having time with God, you speaking to God, having a, a private space to commune with Him. What He says next gives us comfort, doesn't it? Prayer is about communing with God, yes, but in many, simple, in, in many ways, simply it's conversing with God as well. Verse 7, let's read it. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Now, a pagan is someone who doesn't believe in, uh, in God. It's uh, someone who believes in other gods or multiple gods. Or uh, in today's world, it's for us, you know, when we say a pagan, is someone who just doesn't believe in God, right? Now, if I were to define prayer at this point, let's define it. Let's simply talking to God. Prayer is talking to God. Other religions, like pagans, they also prayed in this context. Most religions, prayer generally means asking God for something or the gods for something. And that's pretty common still in our world today, isn't it? Many different faiths will pray wanting to ask for something. We pray to the gods for rain. We pray to the gods for fertility. We pray to God, whatever it might be. Naturally, we see people, as we heard in the newspaper the other week, who will instinctually pray in times of need. A pandemic, sickness, financial situation. Uh, if you remember, there's this um, old school movie, Bruce Almighty, Jim Carrey, have you guys watched it? Some nods, please. Yes, and it was, you know, he had to play the role of God because he thought it would be easy, and he's like, you know, complaining to God. God lets him play the role of God. Uh, and what's the most received prayer request he gets? Do you remember that? To win the lotto. Everyone prays that they'll win the lotto, and then everyone wins the lotto, and they win like a few cents because everyone wins, right? And it was really clever. It was really witty in that moment because, you know, it was insightful to our prayers, Many of us pray that uh, when things are difficult, we pray for our financial situation, we pray for our health, all those things. We ask for something. People turn to God when they want something. Instinctually, our hearts are wired to reach out for help. Whether we're asking uh, the universe, or whether we're asking, or we're banking on our karma, you know, or hoping that someone, some unknown God will hear us and find favor on us, we all, as humanity, as human beings, we, we all pray to something. And it's echoed in the Bible. 
It's there in the Bible. In Ecclesiastes 3, uh, we went through Ecclesiastes earlier this year, and 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. You know, there's a reference there to see that God has wired us in a certain way. He's wired the human heart to seek out, to seek out answers. And prayer is one of those things that a lot of, a lot of us do because we want answers and we want to ask uh, some divine being to, to give us that. He's wired us this way to seek communion, to come before him and ask. Now, prayer looks vastly different, right, in different faiths. Many might pray through meditation. Many might pray through chanting and repeating words over and over and over again, hoping that their prayers might be heard. Find a monk in a monastery, right, and you'll hear chanting. It, happens, it actually happens in a lot of Orthodox churches too. There's chanting if you walk into a, um, a Christian church, some Christian churches out there. Now here Jesus says, actually don't babble. That's what the Gentiles do, the pagans. Those who uh, worshipped other gods, they babbled in their prayers, repetitive, mechanical, with no depth, no substance. Sure, they're pray- they're sure they was praying, but their prayers really lacked, uh, lacked meaning. And Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter how many words you use, how fancy it is, it's not about the quantity, it's let it be a conversation with God. He already knows your needs. It doesn't matter how many times you repeat it. He knows your needs. Speak to him, though, and converse with him. Jesus wants us to understand that there's this integrity to prayer. And when we come before him, we come to him in surrender. It's not about technique. It's not about uh, how much effort you put into drafting up the right words to say to God. And I know for many of us here, we're shy. Many of us are new to the Christian faith, or we're just, just shy, and, we, and praying out loud is something we fear. And we hear other people pray on stage here, and we're like, wow, their prayers are so good. I'm so scared to pray out loud now. Uh, we want that 10 out of 10 prayer, but, you know, we feel uncomfortable. Don't. Don't let what others think stop you from praying to your God. See it as a conversation. See it as talking uh, like, a, like, like you talk to a loved one. You know, uh, some of our married couples, you go home and you just want to debrief with your loved one. Don't you just want to talk to them? Talk to God as our good Father, Jesus says. He knows your needs. Converse with Him. And while people of other religions might put Christians to shame, right, with the amount of prayer and meditation they do, Jesus addresses it uh, actually as something that isn't helpful. Don't babble. Chanting for hours won't mean your prayers will be heard any more than a child that comes before a father with a child's vocabulary coming before God. Jesus says pray like an intimate personal conversation. Right? So we're in communion with God in conversation. We're going to look into uh, what our prayers are shaped by a bit more next week as we look into the Lord's Prayer. You know, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, that sort of thing. But here's the thing today. Earlier, I asked, why is prayer such a struggle for us? Didn't I? Why are we no different to, to other faiths or religions? If we just pray when our circumstances seem to be difficult, is that the only time when we'll pray? Jesus here addresses the crowd about prayer, but he says something He says, see who we get to pray to. Instead of seeing God as a genie who will fix our problems, see who we get to pray to. Instead of seeing God as someone who's going to bring rain or or help us win the lotto, what if we we saw God as our Father? Notice how many times he says Father here. He's assuming that we know God as a Father, that we have a relationship with Him. Would knowing that relationship change the way we approach prayer? You know, at the heart of it, we need to understand this. Jesus wants us to have our prayers shaped by the knowledge of who God is. 
the more we know God, the more our prayers will be shaped by who He is. The God who knows our needs, our Father, the one who we can come to in the presence of, like, a, like a child to a parent in our own private space. See how a relationship changes everything. And so you don't need to use a prayer wheel. We don't need to like, you know, burn incense, ring a bell. We don't need to pray to saints. We don't have to take off our shoes when we enter, wash our feet, sacrifice an animal. You don't have to walk into a confession booth and talk to a priest. In the Old Testament, right, that's what happened often. Uh, you'd have to go through these rituals to pray to God. The priests and the prophets, they'd be the ones who have direct access to God. They'd be the ones who would be sacrificing animals on our behalf to pray to God. You could pray to God, but there wasn't any confidence either. People in the Old Testament, they would pray to God, but they, there would be no confidence that you'd be heard. And for many, I, I feel like this is why it's so hard for us to pray. We, we, we don't know if we're being heard by God. Does God actually hear our prayers? For many of us, we struggle so much with the depths of our sin. We struggle with our guilt, our, our spiritual dirtiness. Will God listen to my prayer? Some of us think, um, like what Angel said earlier, we come to God and we think, oh, if he's like a father, he's like my father, he doesn't have time for me. God doesn't have time for me, he's too busy. He's got bigger issues to deal with, like a pandemic. He's got a famine to worry about, he's got a war over there to worry about. Why would he listen to my prayers? Perhaps in life you feel lack of confidence because you don't like... Uh, you don't feel like you're actually ever heard by anyone as it is. You always feel invisible. I don't know if you felt that way before, but sometimes everyone else has a louder voice. Everyone else uh, is more extroverted, more uh, louder, they're clever. Everyone else gets favored. You're the one who sits in the group meetings, at work meetings, and you'll keep quiet because you don't have the confidence that you'll be heard. Why would God listen to you if you can't even assert yourself in a group assignment? And funny, I, I typed in on Google... I typed in on Google just because I wanted to see what would come up, how to be heard. And there's a WikiHow article. You should read it. It's really interesting. You've got to be assertive in communication. This is just tips telling you to do these things. Be more assertive. Duh. Right? Practice in front of a mirror. You could try that. Use your body language. Right? So, you know, use your body language to, to be heard. <laughs> All these things. Right? Practice your linguistic style. Oh, man, it sounds really hard. These WikiHow articles tell you to do things that you're not even comfortable with. Reading a WikiHow article doesn't actually help you to actually be more confident to be heard, but imagine if you apply that to God. Speak louder, babble more, use your body language. Does that help? Get on your knees, put your hands up in the air, face prostrate, right, before God. Then he'll hear us? No, Jesus doesn't say that. He says, go to him, call him Father. We, re we read Hebrews 4 earlier, and what did it tell us? I'll read it again. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, we don't need priests anymore to approach God through. You don't need a confession booth. Jesus was the great high priest. He, through his death and his resurrection, he became that sacrifice. The message of the gospel that we put our faith in, we can approach the throne of grace, God's grace, with what? With fear? With anxiety? It says we can approach it with confidence. How good is that? 
Jesus allows us to have an audience with God. He's the channel by which we pray to and can call God our Father because His blood was shed for us. We don't need priests or we don't need sacrifices of animals to get, a, get access to God. They had to before. Sin made us unclean. If God is a perfect and holy God, we can't actually approach or be in His presence because we're unclean. So you'd kill an animal, sacrifice it, and that'd be the channel by which you can access God then. Our sins now have been cleansed. Jesus has cleansed us by His death, by His resurrection, His blood on our behalf. No more animals need to be sacrificed. You can read that in Hebrews. I've got it as well in Hebrews 10. Let's read it. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, again, there's that word, to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is, his body, since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. See that language there? We've been cleansed. Our sin has been removed. Jesus did that for us. His body, his blood, his death, his resurrection allows us to enter into God's presence. And so you often hear us pray. Don't we, What we say when we finish our prayers, we say, in Jesus' name, amen. That's why we say it, because it's through Jesus we can access God. It's not about how good you are, how many rituals you follow. Jesus paves the way to make it possible for our prayers to be accepted and for our prayers to be heard but it's also through his spirit as well this is really interesting that we can call him father at galatians 4 i would have loved to got us to read this as well i'm going to read it now it says when the time had fully come god sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship but get this because you are his sons and daughters god sent the spirit of the son into our hearts the spirit who calls out abba father so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Look at that title you and I have been given. We're children, sons and daughters of God himself. You've been given direct access to the majestic, sovereign creator of the universe. And it's through God's Holy Spirit that we can become children. Do you see how God, the triune God, is at work in our prayers? The Spirit, the Son, the Father. We can come to Him, we can come to God, and we can have a relationship because of this doctrine of adoption. We're adopted into God's family. How good is that? We can come to God, and we can come to Him in times of need, when times are good and times are hard, to be vulnerable with Him, when things are out of our control. And that COVID has, if COVID has taught us anything, is that when we're not in control, no matter how competent or how many achievements you've had, you and I aren't in control, but God is. And we can come to him in humble surrender. And we can pray. We can call him Father. We can approach his throne with confidence. You know, you and I, we shouldn't actually have access to God. Our sin stains our hearts. Why would God want anything to do with you and I? Yet in his grace, in his mercy, in his love, he invites us into that relationship. There's a theologian called R.C. Sproul and he uh, says this, God is minutely and acutely aware of every skeleton in every closet, and he loves us. Wow. He knows all the skeletons in my closet, and he still chooses to love me. You see, in forgiveness and mercy, through love, God actually allows us to pray to him. 
God gifts us with the Spirit that enables us to have faith and repentance in the Gospel in Jesus. We wouldn't want to turn to God naturally. We'd rather choose to pray uh, to some unknown God. We'd rather choose to pray uh, hoping that karma will, will treat us well. But the Holy Spirit, He points us to God. And without the Spirit of God, we can't see our need for Jesus. We can't see spiritually that need. And so the Spirit fills our hearts, gives us the ability, enables us to cry to God, to call Him Father. And God is so good, isn't He? We get to commune with Him. We get to converse with Him. And we can have confidence to approach Him. And here's, that, here's what should challenge us. Here's what should challenge the the Christian in the room today, here's the wake-up call. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, he's a, another Christian theologian, um, old guy, not around anymore. He said this, prayer is the voice of faith. Prayer is the voice of faith. Anyone with real faith will desire to pray. Because through the Spirit, prayer is faith become audible. Prayer is the voice of faith. And I felt destroyed by that truth when I read it. Why is my prayer life so shoddy? It's because sometimes I don't have enough faith. Why is it so superficial? Because I'm putting my faith in other things, in myself, in my own career, in my, in my confidence, in my health, in my competency. I'm not putting my faith in God, my Father, my Creator. Yeah, sometimes it's just that we have weak faith. We don't realize that God is powerful and majestic we don't realize he's worthy of our time. In many ways, like the hypocrites here, we take God for granted, don't we? We don't love prayer. We don't want to volunteer to prayer when you know to pray when someone says, "Hey, who wants to pray today?" Our fear, our need to impress others, trumps praying to God, our Father. And you and I, we forget, don't we? And, and, and even, can I say, we, we, we disrespect the privilege that Jesus has secured for us through the sacrifice of his own life. We disrespect it when we're scared to pray, when we don't want to pray. And prayer, it's, it's this, unbe- this unbelievable, undeserving privilege that we have as Christians. We get to enter into the presence of a holy God. And man, let that, let that sink in. We get to be heard by God. It's not something we should take for granted. I've used this illustration before, but think about uh, who you admire in this world. Who, who are your heroes? Who do you admire deeply? Who would you get starstruck by? If you could enter into their presence, would you take that for granted? I follow a lot of NBA on my Instagram, and I always think, see the, those celebrities who get courtside seats, you know, like Jay-Z and Beyonce or Kanye and Kim. You know, Imagine if you were invited, well, for me, if I was invited to sit with them, chat with them, hang out with them while watching an NBA game. Wow, would I take that for granted? Of course not. If, if, you, if you got to be invited down to Byron Bay, hang out with Chris Hemsworth and his family, have dinner with them, would you take that for granted? If you got to hang out with J.K. Rowling, chat Harry Potter all night, poof, wow, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? Would you take that for granted? Whatever your interest is, I don't know who you admire, who would you feel unworthy to be around? Would you take that for granted? Of course not. How much more than to be in the presence of our Creator? To approach the one who created our heroes and gave us and them life and breath itself. Jesus brings us into the presence of God, friends. He brings us into the presence of greatness defined. 
He is God, we aren't, and you and I, we have access to Him. But we put prayer on such a low pedestal. Being able to commune and converse with God is such a struggle. It's such a low priority, such a shallow thing many of us do, and we forget who our God is. God invites us to talk to Him. We don't have to. He's not, he's not begging us to pray to Him. He's not bargaining with us. But He does, like any good relationship, He invites us to speak to Him. He invites us to be who we are as we are. With all the baggage that we carry, with all our problems, with all our issues, with all our weakness and our frailty, to be vulnerable before Him, to speak to Him and to call Him Father. What a privilege. And so let our, our prayers be shaped by that by the triune God, right? The Father, the Son, and the Spirit who allows us to pray. And yeah, I know, COVID-19, it's brought many people, religious, non-religious, to pray. But do we actually know who we're praying to? Can we have a confidence? Let our prayers flourish, friends. Let them have a richness and depth because you get to enter into His presence. So that pandemic or not, whether life is cruising or you're battling against the storms and the waves, you'll be able to spend time with God, to sit with Him, to speak with Him, because you and I have a privilege to be in His presence. We titled this sermon series, didn't we? To be heard. Because to be heard is a wonderful privilege. Look around the world. Look at all the movements that are happening, all the social justice movements that are happening today. Why? Because they want their voices to be heard. We'll go and protest the streets of Brisbane for, for the rights of our refugee friends because we want to be heard. There are marriages where spouses are struggling because they're not being heard. There are families where children are hurt and traumatized because they're not being heard. But what if we could surrender all our hurts and all our pains before our good, good Father and have a confidence that we will be heard? What if all our insecurities and anxieties could be put in the hands of the one who is in control, the one who's made us, our creator? Wouldn't that be something? And my challenge for us today, friends, is to go away. Consider how do you approach the throne of God in prayer? Do you commune with him? Do you converse with him? Are you confident that your Father in heaven hears you? And are you thankful or are you taking this for granted? Let's keep coming back to the gospel of Christ and see how that impacts our prayers. Let our prayers be transformed by the good news of who we are before God, saved, redeemed children of God. And let's come before him with confidence, yeah? We have a father who loves us and hears us. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the gospel of Christ that through him we're now children. We're now sons and daughters. And we can come to you as our Father. We can talk to you. We can converse with you. We have communion with you. And Lord, we can have a confidence that we can approach the throne of grace and know that we're heard. And so I do pray for us, Lord, as a church, that we'll discover the richness, rediscover the richness of prayer, the privilege that we have, and that together, Lord, as a church, we'll flourish in our prayer lives individually and together as a community. I pray, Lord, that we'll be able to pray for each other confidently. We'll be able to pray, uh, share praise points, share prayer points, be able to share with one another and pray right there and then for each other because we have a God who hears us. And so I do pray, Lord, that you'll develop that in us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.